Welcome back to Recorded Conversations, the podcast that's dedicated to compassionately considering all perspectives while engaging in authentic, connected dialogue. I'm Danielle Kingstrom. about to hear is what I'm going to deem the rant recordings. And the reason I do that is because these are little monologues that I do when something comes across my newsfeed or some kind of topic comes to surface that piques my interest and I rant about it. I rant about it in a relational way because I feel like we can always take that icky stuff that we see outside bring it in, reflect on it, and relate to it in a way that we can gain a little bit more understanding of what's going on so we don't have to judge it. Because I truly believe that if you have enough information about something so that you can better understand it, you no longer are reaching to judge it, but to just merely let it exist as it is. And so with that, here is my erotic rant, like children. As a collective society, we don't know how to talk about eroticism, sex, sexuality, or erotic desire, without it activating a sense to lower our voice and look around to see who can hear us. Or, if we're engaging via social media, we don't participate in the discussion without checking to see if the post is public or not before we comment or like it or retweet it. The irony is bold here. We can easily tell a person to get fucked for their political or religious views, but we won't disclose how emotionally difficult it is to surrender while we are getting fucked. How is it that we can so confidently tell a person off, but we are so uncertain and meek when it comes to discussing what actually gets us off? Is it that crudeness and lewdness are best reserved for social discourse on politics and religion, but not discussions on the most natural element of humanity? And if that's the case... Isn't that odd to you? It's always been an oddity to me. My parents were so open about all of my curiosities. Sure, I probably put them in some uncomfortable situations, asking such big questions for such a little girl. But they obliged almost every time. And if they weren't ready to tell me about something, they would tell me to wait until I was older to ask. The thing was, I wanted to understand people. And sex helped me do that. But more than that, I wanted to understand why my parents wanted to have sex as often as they did. I also wanted to know why my friends on the bus only talked about sex and whispers and why my parents spoke about it just as regularly as they would anything else. Was it simply because we were children? Was talking about sex the same as talking about the fuck word or the shit word? And if that was the case, why can't children talk about sex? Throughout my discoveries, I discovered most children don't understand sex, and most parents certainly don't approve of a rambunctious and curious child teaching their children about sex. That was me. I later discovered as an adult that most adults don't understand sex either. Yet even though we fail to understand sex, we have decided as a society that children should definitely not be allowed to understand it. I think there was a well-intended cause for that, The fear was that if children understand sex, they would want it, 
worse if they understood it and also wanted it. It could be exploited, abused, and misused. With Epstein, Maxwell, Weinstein, pedo Hollywood, pedo politics, all of that rumbling through our media waves, who could blame any civilized society for wanting to protect children from dangers associated with sex? I mean, sex is a superpower, but every power can be misused. And with every power comes great responsibility. And with great responsibility comes a significant understanding. We don't need Marvel to tell us that, though, do we? That fear, however, that led to the protections also led to a serious collective misunderstanding of the one human element that sustains humanity. Such is why so many adults still fail to understand sex. Sex was rooted in fear, and whatever kind of soil you root something in, that's the only thing that it's going to produce. Ergo, sex was rooted in fear. The only thing that could grow from that is fear itself. Most of the people that I help are afraid of sex. They're afraid of their fantasies and desires. They're afraid to tell the partner, their partners what they like and don't like. They're afraid that if others knew how they enjoyed sex or what turned them on, that they would be shamed for it. When it comes to sex, most people fear that their passions will rule their reason. And who can blame them? Those of us who have mustered up the courage to be true to our desires, sexually and otherwise, are often silenced, shunned, and shamed repeatedly for stepping outside the box of normalcy, whatever that is, especially in religious circles, and most significantly present in Christianity. Sex is simply just an action that is allowable, so long as it remains private and it's not discussed in social circles, and definitely we do not discuss it in church unless the pastor is presiding over us and he's the one in control of the conversation. On one hand, the messaging of sex has been overwhelmingly fear-based. It can kill you or make you sick, sexually transmitted diseases and viruses. It can kill your dreams and it can ruin your body, that is, premarital pregnancy and unwanted pregnancy. It'll make you impure. It'll make you unclean. It'll blaspheme God. You'll burn in hell for eternity if you, don't, if you do it before you're married, blah, blah, etc., etc., on the other hand, the messaging of sex has been overwhelmingly pleasure, function-based. Hedonistic desires that ultimately lead to threesomes, orgies, swapping, swinging, and leading to a queerness that most people can't wrap their heads around. Or else there's a functional desire that ultimately will lead us to dysfunction and deficiency. But there's a pill for that aspect of it. The messaging thus turns into a redundant program that we continue to update with more anti-erotic plugins. Once we are granted permission by the societal conscience to engage the erotic realm fully, we still have that fear lurking within, and it can take some time to work out. Fear lingers. Despite the work we may do to deprogram ourselves from the narrow views and misunderstood trajectories, fear sits in the unconscious, just waiting for an activation to pull archived programming out and scream into our psyche. Which means, even if you think you are consciously engaging, the unconscious creeps in like a ninja, and BAM! Fear has arrived. Just recently, I had to deal with a heaping dose of fear when my husband and I decided to consider opening up our marriage and creating a Tinder account, of all things. It created some serious issues. It brought out my deepest insecurities. And what frequency do you think insecurity is on, you ask? Why, it's on the fear frequency. No matter how many books I've read, no matter how many people have shared with me their own erotic difficulties and challenges, and despite all of the growth I have accomplished, because of the programming, I am still impacted by the societal expectations surrounding sex. I don't really think it's easy to be free from. 
but we must greet all of our curiosities in such a way that we are like children to it. I realize that sounds a little uncomfortable, but I'm going to ask you to bear with me. Children have a beginner's mind. They are learning the world with fresh eyes every day for a good chunk of their life. And discernment is necessary. It keeps them safe from hazard and accidents, knowing the difference between red and green, two or three, up and down. That's important. Judgment is not. When it comes to the erotic realm, judgment acts as an obstacle. That whole quote-unquote right and wrong can clog up our flow. Yes and no, however, keep us in the discernment atmosphere, separate from judgment and open to new experiences. Like children, we can discern and rely on yes and no to help guide us toward healthy curiosity that doesn't lead us down a path of depravity. How does a child gauge what new curiosities they will discover and experience? Well, first, they observe. What am I looking at? What does it make me feel? What does it make me think about? Then, they seek out a model to imitate. How is it done? Who else has done it? And what did they do to make it successful? Then, a child might practice by themselves that which they are watching. Maybe they jump, it's a jump from a high place to a low place. Are they jumping in place? Are they checking out their feet to see where they land? They might even talk themselves into the act. They smile. Their whole face lights up. And then they leap. Maybe they fall and get hurt. But perhaps instead, they land exactly as they had hoped they would, and everything works out, and they do it again. Children are led by their curiosities, not by societal constrictions. But as we grow up, we let go of curiosity, and we allow others to tell us how we are to do things, how we are to see things, how we should respond and react to things, and which things we should avoid. We stop being children, and we turn into really boring adults, and we let fear guide us. Not passion, not reason, but fear. Children, however, already have a blank slate, and we need to get back to that blank slate. We have to unlearn all the things we learn that keep us locked in fear. And yes, that even means that we stop and question the things that people say about sex and the dangers of it. Yes, that also means we stop and ask ourselves if the monogamous confines of relationship are societal constrictions or real safeguards that protect our purity and spirituality. Children ask questions and they never stop. But as we mature, we ask less questions and we cling to this fallacy of certainty thinking that just because we are grown, we must no longer have questions, and we're expected to know everything. And we don't want to look stupid by not knowing, so maybe we pretend to know. We don't ask questions. Individually, I still have questions about eroticism. Collectively, our society is still learning more and more about eroticism. Academically, scientifically, psychologically, we know very little about sex, the root element of all creation. So we mustn't stop asking questions. We must continue to pursue our curiosity. We won't know until we know, and we won't know until we ask, observe, examine, imitate, practice, and try for ourselves. We cannot judge until we know for ourselves. That is how we are to be like children, and that is how we can evolve past that scary erotic and move into embracing the erotic.